Well, all year, our preaching, the theme of our preaching ministry is learning the way of Jesus. And so all of our sermon series are related to that big picture theme. And, and right now we're continuing in a series on the Ten Commandments in, in the book of Exodus in the Bible. And the Ten Commandments are part of God's moral law, and they reveal to us the way that God wants us to live as individuals and as a society as well. Now, ultimately, we've said that this uh, law, this new way of life, can be summed up in two ways. Number one, to love the Lord your God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And two, to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus affirmed that the whole of the law and the prophets, all the whole Old Testament hangs on these two aspects of love. So the Ten Commandments are really a law of love. And today, we're considering the fifth command, to honor your father and your mother. Why should we do this? And what does it look like for us to obey this command? What if we have a broken or abusive relationship with our parents? Well, there's a lot to unpack here. So <laughs> a lot to unpack from one verse, okay? So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, please take it and open it to Exodus chapter 20, starting with verse 12. Exodus 20, starting with verse 12. We'll put it up on the screens for you as well. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna read through the remaining five commands and then unpack the fifth today. Verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is God's word. Well, as we've said, the book of Exodus, which was written about 4,300 years ago by Moses, the, the mighty prophet and leader of, the, of ancient Israel, um, it, Exodus describes a key turning point in history when God rescued the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt and then entered into a covenant relationship with them, including giving them this law. And the first four commands uh, we saw are focused vertically on what does it mean to love the Lord, our God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we saw that there is only one true God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who is worthy of worship, deserving of respect, and we must rest in him. <laughs> Those are commands one through four. Now here with the fifth command and for the rest of the Ten Commandments, we'll turn more horizontally from a vertical focus with God to horizontally out into what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? Well, to love your neighbor starts with your closest neighbors, those who are living in your own home when you're young and perhaps those who are in your family when you are older, including your father and your mother. So once again, verse 12 says, honor your father and your mother, which, as the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, is the first commandment with a promise. And here's the promise, that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So most commentators uh, don't believe that this promise is meant to be taken individually, as if, if you do this, you'll have an unnaturally long life, but more nationally. If Israel, as a society, as a people, honor their parents, honor their elders, uh, as a nation, they will live a long time. It will go well for them in the promised land. But the language of this particular promise is interesting, at least to me. 
Um, it's, it's found in, again, in Deuteronomy 25, although with a different command. Um, we can look at that together, I believe. Yeah, Deuteronomy 25, verses 15 and 16 say this. You must have accurate and honest weights and measures so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Sound familiar? For the Lord your God detests anyone who does these things, anyone who deals dishonestly. Okay, whoa. So Deuteronomy 25 refers to this corrupt practice of using different weights or measures for trading or for payment, allowing you to cheat people maybe you don't like, or perhaps to cheat everybody, okay? The Lord detests anyone who does these things. <laughs> whoa, okay, that's a really strong language. But what that means is that there are a range of practices that God will not tolerate. In fact, that's kind of the idea behind the whole law. Being disrespectful, disobedient, or in some other way, dishonoring to your parents is something that God will not tolerate. Now, I'll make one more observation about the, this brief command, and then we'll move toward why we should obey this and what it looks like to obey this command. So I find it also interesting that the fifth command requires honor for your father and your mother. Remember, 4,300 years ago, this was a patriarchal time. It would be easy to imagine that this command could have been to honor your father alone. But it doesn't say that, does it? Now, I suspect that this has something to do likely, with the biblical vision for marriage, that two individuals become one flesh. So to honor your father, but to dishonor your mother, or vice versa, is to dishonor both in God's eyes because they are one flesh. Now, by contrast, there were other law codes in existence in the world at this time. So if we look at the ancient legal code of Hammurabi, maybe you heard or read about this in school, maybe not. Um, this was from the Babylonian Empire and was written probably sometime before the Ten Commandments. They have a command that says, if a son strikes his father, his hands shall be hewn off. Okay, everything was pretty intense back then, okay? Now, it doesn't say in the Babylonian law code uh, to honor your father and your mother. In fact, it doesn't exactly require honor from child even to father. You just can't hit dad, okay? But that leaves a lot of room for disrespect and dishonor. And the, the mom isn't even mentioned. So you hit dad, you lose your hands. We'll see what happens if you ever hit mom. Well, as we said, the law of God given to Israel at Mount Sinai is similar to other legal codes in their day. But it is different in key areas, and the reason is, is because it is not based on what people thought was right at the time. It is based on who God is, on his character and his nature and his will for his creation and how life ought to work in his world. God wants his people to honor their father and their mother. Okay. But why? Why should we obey this command? Now you might say, because God said so. And that's true, <laughs> fair enough. But if God is good and loving and wise, if, if 
then his law should be good and loving and wise as well. So what is wise or helpful or good about honoring your father and your mother? Let's consider this. Why is this in the top 10 of God's law? Well, I think there's probably many reasons, but I'll give you two this morning. First, now it doesn't explicitly give the why in this command, okay? So we have to take a step back and consider what the broader scope of the word of God says about parents and children. And it says a lot. All the way back on page one of the Bible in Genesis one, we see that part of the mandate for human beings from creation was a blessing to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So having children was a major part of God's intention for human beings from the beginning. In Genesis two, we see that it is the covenant of marriage between a husband and a wife that was the context for where this multiplication or procreation was to take place. Now, ever since the fall to sin in Genesis three, our family relationships are far from perfect. Sometimes they're sadly the context for great harm and abuse, violence, and the, even the destruction of life. So I'll come back to this later, but for now, God didn't give up on the family. He promised in Genesis 3.15 that there would be one who would eventually come through the family line of humanity who would crush the head of evil and finally deal with the problems of sin and death. Now later, the Lord made a promise to a childless couple, Abraham and Sarah, that he would give them a child, a son, and their family would eventually become a great nation and a blessing through whom the whole world would be blessed. Here at Mount Sinai in Exodus 20, the Lord was unfolding his plan of salvation, but the chosen one had not yet made his appearing. So the giving of the law was to provide instruction and protection for the people of God until that later time when the set time would fully come, when God would send his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. But at this time in history, through the prophet Moses, the Lord makes it clear that he expects parents to be responsible for instructing their children in the faith, in God's will, in God's way, and in the regular rhythms of life in the home. This is the first reason why we should honor our parents. And we see this clearly in Deuteronomy chapter six, famous passage. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, parents. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk al along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God didn't expect the prophets or the priests or the kings to be primarily responsible for instructing the children in the faith, but the parents even today as a church, we don't consider our children's ministry uh, as the primary means of discipleship for our children. It's still primarily the parents' responsibility to instruct their children in the faith. 
Now, our Sunday child care and our Gospel Kids Midweek and our youth group are wonderful, and they're all programs designed to help parents in this task, but not take the task from them. So the Apostle Paul makes this clear in Ephesians 6, saying, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So why should children honor their parents? Well, first, because parents are supposed to instruct and teach and show their kids who God is and what it looks like to follow his ways. Second, beyond the instruction of in who God is and how to follow his ways, uh, what, we, what we might call a religious education or, or discipleship, to use the language of the Bible, parents were also supposed, supposed to help their children mature in every other way. Okay, what a responsibility, being a parent. I often say that to do the work of parenting means to help your kids grow up in every way. Okay, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, in every other aspect of life. The biblical category for this is often described as wisdom. The book of Proverbs starts this way. I'm not going to put it up. I'll just read it to you. So listen to this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior. This all sounds like a good idea. Doing what is right and just and fair for giving prudence to those who are simple. Okay, some of us are a little simple. Knowledge and discretion to the young. Some of us are young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and and instruction. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Wow. A great definition of wisdom is knowing how to do what is right in any circumstance. But growing in wisdom was supposed to come, as Solomon writes, from the instruction of your father and the teaching of your mother. Wisdom does not automatically come with age. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there are many old fools. There's probably more young fools, so please hear me. Wisdom comes from instruction when we're young and from deep reflection on our experience when we are older. Should I repeat that? If you want to write something down, that might be helpful. Wisdom comes from instruction when we are young and from deep reflection on experience when we are older. But when parents fail to understand their responsibility to help their kids grow in wisdom, or if they understand but they still fail to pass on their wisdom to the next generation, their kids are doomed to learn the hard way. They certainly still can learn. It just will be hard. The old saying is certainly true. Those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. So why should we honor our parents? Well, first, because they are supposed to show us who God is and how to follow him. But second, because they are also supposed to pass on their wisdom, which sometimes doesn't make any sense to us when we're young. 
but can save us from many struggles and strife. So these are two answers as to the why, but how? How do we do this? How do we honor our parents today? And what if our parents aren't very honorable? What if they haven't done what God intended for parents to do? Maybe they aren't Christians. What if they haven't passed on the faith or any wisdom? What if they have hurt us when they were supposed to help us? What if we received abuse in the place of love? Well, these are hard questions. Let's start with honoring parents in general and move toward the more difficult of strained or broken relationships with our parents. And I'll give you three thoughts on this here. Now first, in general, to honor your father and your mother means to be careful to respect them in both your heart and your attitude toward them, in your conversations with them, and in your conversations about them with others. To be respectful to their face, but then bash them behind their backs is not honoring. Now, honoring them doesn't mean you have to agree on everything. Just as you can love someone and disagree about certain things. You might have disagreements over issues uh, in your relationships or in your family, like how you're raising your children or in your work or in politics or in many other aspects of life. But in your disagreements and even in sharp conflict, you can still honor your parents by refusing to be disrespectful to them or dismissive of them. Now, some of us have a special talent of using sarcasm like a knife. But even in the midst of a fight, we must obey the Lord and give proper honor to our parents. Fight nice, as I was often told when I was a child. <laughs> Second, honoring your parents also means to be patient in listening to them. They are not perfect, of course. So they will not perfectly pass on their faith or their wisdom to us. Even if they're trying to, it won't go perfectly well. Now, some parents are just simply better teachers than others. But that doesn't mean that a parent who isn't a great teacher has nothing of value to pass on to their children. So we must be patient when we listen to our parents. They have seen more of the world than we have. They have experienced things that we haven't. And there is a lot that we can learn from them if we are humble enough to receive it. We must give them grace, understanding that they need the grace of God too. The phrase that I like to use in this respect is to eat the meat and spit out the bones. Whatever is true and helpful and good that you receive from your parents, receive it with gratitude. Learn from them. Don't make a big, if, don't make a big deal out of it if it's not good and helpful to you. Graciously move on. Anything that isn't. Well, third and finally, honoring your parents means taking care of them as they age. When you are a child, your parents take care of you. Now, they might feed you and clothe you and bathe you and pay for the stuff that you need, among many other things. But when you are old, 
you must return the favor and take care of your parents. To abandon them in their time of need would be the height of dishonor and selfishness. Will their care of them, will the care of them intrude on your time? Take from your resources? Change your agenda? Sure. But this is what love looks like. It looks like humbly putting the needs of others ahead of our own. A society marked by this type of sacrificial love will indeed live long in the land. Now I say these things knowing that this is totally not the culture that we live in. The idea in our world around us, swirling all about us all the time, is that if anything or anyone brings any negativity into your life, cut them loose. When people get old, put them somewhere where someone else can take care of them. Friends, this is not the way to honor your father and your mother. Is there a place for specialized help? Certainly. Do we need doctors and hospitals and nurses and people to help us with this? Certainly. But this is our responsibility. Well, finally, as we close, how do we love and honor our parents who have not been loving or honorable to us? How do we honor our father and our mother when they might have done us great harm? Well, first, I already mentioned that our parents need the grace of God just as we do. This helps us understand that in a broken world, sometimes those who are supposed to love us are the ones that hurt us the most. This is just one of the many reasons why Jesus had to come into the world to die on the cross for the sins of the world. That includes sins of our parents. Now, some of those sins took place in the sanctity of the home to children who were helpless to avoid the trauma, which is a tragedy. The Lord has strong words for those who would harm one of his little ones. But again, to honor your parents doesn't mean you have to agree with everything they ever said or did. But it does mean that we must forgive it does mean that we must give up our right to make them pay for what they have done to us and trust that the Lord is the perfect judge and he will see that justice is done and he will set every wrong to rights. But I understand that this is costly and this takes great faith that Jesus is just this takes sacrificial love, but forgiveness is necessary for healing. Even if full reconciliation doesn't happen or isn't possible, you can still find healing and redemption and freedom and peace in your life, even in the midst of a broken or abusive relationship that, that you've had with your parents. You can break the chain for your children you can write a new story for your future with God's help. In fact, there is no one better to help us as parents, as children, 
to look to and learn from in how to do this great task of parenting than our Father in heaven. In him, we see one who has always been faithful to us. In him, we see one who is patient with us. He lavishes his grace on us. He is steadfast in his loving kindness to us. He is the way and the truth and the life and he guides us along the right paths for his name's sake. He rescues us. He forgives us. He cleanses us from our sin and our shame. He gives us wisdom to all who ask for it. He has made his, us his children by faith in Jesus. He has adopted us into his family and given us the full inheritance of children, his children, the inheritance of his kingdom. He has poured out his spirit on us. He has done so much more than we even are aware of. Now today, despite how we were raised, and despite how things have been going, if you're a parent today, maybe they've gone poorly. But today, may we be people who love as our Father in heaven loves. And may we be a people who outdo one another in honor, who are committed to honoring our parents so that it might go well for us that we might live long in the life that the Lord has given us as well. I'm sensing that some of you think this is impossible. It is not. We can do it together in the power that the Lord gives us. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, Thank you for your word. Thank you for your law. Thank you for your commands to us for our good. Thank you for your patience and your loving kindness and your forgiveness of us when we wander astray. Thank you for sending your true son, Jesus Christ, after us to rescue us orphans and adopt us into your family, both now and forevermore. Help us to be people who honor the people in our family, our fathers, our mothers, to love one another well, to pass the faith on to the next generation, to pass any wisdom, Lord, that you have given us by your grace on to the next generation. And Father, I pray for this next generation coming. I'm excited to see the men and women that you have created, what they will do, what they will be like, and all that you have in store for them. God, would you empower them by your spirit? If this is a time of revival, revive us so that we might not grow weary, we might not fall away to discouragement or hopelessness or fear but that we might live long in this life with you in love and joy and peace, both now and forevermore, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.